So did you know that Mr. Peanut died? It was like a big thing. Mr. Peanut died. He dies in a commercial sacrificing himself so others can live. Then like it was the weirdest thing that on Twitter every mascot was like tweeting their condolences to Mr. Peanut and how he made the world a better place and like a Jesus figure. That's crazy. And that is, yeah, very strange. And then also like porn websites were getting in on it and everyone was just talking about Mr. Peanut. That's so weird. Yeah, very weird. And then they released a commercial about his funeral. And at his funeral, it was like Kool-Aid and like all the mascots are there. The Kool-Aid man cries onto the grave. And because of this, a little peanut tree grows. And then from this peanut tree, there's a little baby. And they call him Baby Nut. And now he's the new mascot and he's Baby Nut. And it's just like a bad like Baby Yoda type ripoff, it yeah. looks like. And now he, Baby Nut, tweets every day. And it's just like poorly done CG of this baby pe- peanut dancing. What? So it's like they'd really tried for something dramatic. And it was like a big Twitter thing. And now it's like the worst Twitter thing ever. Oh. So that's the uh, state of the world today. Baby Nut. I just Googled him. A fascinating exercise in marketing and like a window into our society how this mr peanut death thing affected the world i don't know why this needs to be a thing how did i miss this where do where am i well i i'm not in big on the uh peanut twitter either i actually don't really care for twitter i never read it i just post whatever movies we're doing that's about it and every now and then i'll say something about hockey just hockey that's your entire tweet yeah hockey and then i like it because i like hockey (laughs) well welcome to an episode of i love this you should too you caught the end of our baby nut discussion there and we're dying to hear more so if you know something about this whole debacle tell us please you can find us on Twitter, which is apparently where all this started. <laughs> my name is Indy Randawa, and with me is my lovely, freshly dyed-haired companion and co-host. Companion, you make me sound like a dog. <laughs> Companion's nice. Puppy. And you would like to be a puppy. I would. would Anyways, her name is Samantha Hughes. Hi, I'm Samantha. <laughs> Not a puppy. <laughs> Despite your best efforts. Despite my best You're efforts. You're much more like a kitten because you like napping and... Cuddles. Cuddles. I think puppies like that too. But you don't like running and jumping outside in the snow. True. Puppies do. Very true. You're more of a kitty. I'm an indoor cat. Yeah. Well, now that we figured that out. <laughs> I think I'm more of a puppy. I'm you more are. of a puppy. Which is funny because that's like You like dogs, I like to, cats. Yeah. But our personalities are the opposite. Yeah. I act like a dog, you act like a cat. Yep. Well, there you go. The episode's over. Okay, have a good night, guys. We've settled it. <laughs> oh, wait, we're here to talk about Star Wars. Not puppies and kitties? No, well, later. That'll be on our other podcast. Puppy kitty time? Yep, that's the one. <laughs> Okay, great. Can't wait. So today we are talking about episodes 7 through 9, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, 
the rise of Skywalker, and the end of this big saga, and the end of our little three-part series as well. Yeah, I'm a little sad. That there's no more Star Wars? Yeah. But there's going to be so much more Star Wars. Yeah, I know. It's never going to be over. We haven't seen The Mandalorian. We have to watch that next. Oh, right. Yeah, let's do it. Then we can see Baby Nuts inspiration. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Baby Nuts best friend, Baby Yoda. Yeah. He, baby Nut wishes he was Baby Yoda. It's very true. Well, should we just get right into things? Let's dive right in. Uh, we're going to start with 2015's The Force Awakens. All right. So when this came out, did you see it in theater? Yes. It was one of those ones like where they had Christmas releases every year. So I went with my parents because we like seeing movies between Christmas and New Year's. What did you think of it at the time? Um, I liked it. But like I said before, um, I feel like I was missing a little bit of the backstory. Like I didn't know who all the characters were. And, like, who was a new character and who was a character I assumed I had missed not seeing episodes two and three. Okay. Well, the vast majority of them are all new characters. And I don't think there's many episode two and three characters in here. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. Mm -hmm. So I assumed that, like, either I was missing something or just, like, everyone else was just meeting them for the first time. So that was a little confusing. But I did enjoy it. It's uh, It was a fun movie to watch. So when I first saw it, as is the case with these first two movies that we're going to talk about, I felt one way right after, and then I thought about it for a while, and I felt very differently. So <laughs> when I saw this, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it looked great. I really liked these new characters. But as time went on, some of the things that I liked about it, I started to really dislike about it. Oh. Because this is clearly just A New Hope over again. Yes. And I think after the prequels... I liked that familiarity. I liked that it was paying homage to all of that. But then I thought about it and I was like, why do I need to see the same movie over again? And it's just, it's a really easy thing to do. Right. Because they're just remaking it, essentially, without making it a full remake. Mm -hmm. So it felt lazy to me and I felt kind of cheated after a while. Now I've watched it again with a lot of time to process all of that. And I think I'm coming back around on it, though. Oh, okay. But yeah, let's talk about the movie. So this movie is, of course, about an orphan from a desert planet. And they escape the Empire in a Millennium Falcon. And they're looking for plans that are hid inside a droid. And eventually their mentor is killed by a dark, mysterious villain. Literally a new hope. It is a new hope, yeah. <laughs> a new hope with a new cast of characters. Yeah. But some of the returning characters, but now they've graduated. Because now Han Solo is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Basically. Do you remember the first line of this movie? No. They say, this will begin to make things right. And it kind of felt like J.J. Abrams was just talking to us and like, yeah, we know what happened with the prequels, <laughs> but this will begin to make things right. Oh, literally. Yeah. I feel like he does that a couple of times. After the prequels, those Star Trek movies came out, and they were directed by J.J. Abrams. Right. And I was kind of grumpy because I was saying, like, this is what we could have had for Star Wars. We could have just had him do it and make breathe new life into it, but still keep to what's true. And then I got exactly what I asked for. Exactly. And then I was like, huh, is this what I really wanted? And I'm still <laughs> not entirely sure. But overall, I come off. Pretty positive on this one. I did like the way that these looked, and I liked um, kind of the way that the story was treated. So I th I'm pro J.J. Abrams. There is a great beginning to it. It's a very good introduction. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have that scene in the village where 
it's interesting because on the ship on the way down, we get to see stormtroopers like preparing for battle mm-hmm. or just kind of waiting for battle. Yeah. That's something we'd never seen. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, what's going on? Why are we looking at stormtroopers? And then, of course, it becomes clear that we are watching them because Finn is going to be one of our main characters. Yeah. And also really early on, we get to see something we'd never really seen in a Star Wars movie, and that's blood. Yeah, that see the was blood crazy. On Finn's mask. I did realize because it's very... It's a very clean looking movie, especially when it comes to the Empire. Mm-hmm. The Empire is always very, very clean and like crisp and primary colors and black and white. And it's very, there's a look. And seeing that Stormtrooper helmet with the hand print on it in blood was like really jarring. I did not expect that that would be so like significant. And it really sets you up for what this movie is going to be. It's going to be a Star Wars movie. You still have stormtroopers. You still have these things you're used to. But it's going to be a darker one. Yeah. It's not nearly as fun and campy as the original trilogy. Right. And I'm not saying that's good nor bad, but it's a very different tone than that trilogy. For sure. Yeah. And it's um, it's, um, kind of neat to see just how different and how the, the what they chose to change. Um, like a little bit more humor and like I didn't find it campy or too far the humor in this movie yeah I think the humor in this trilogy is more jarring at times Mm -hmm. I think because it's so much more serious when it is serious yes those little moments of levity kind of almost take me out of it and it's a problem for me at some times, but not so much in this one. One thing I really loved is Finn's humor, mm-hmm. specifically. He was really funny to me in this one. I liked him because he really comes into his own in the like the, throughout the three movies. Mm-hmm. Like he really goes on a character journey because he goes from being this like mindless, what I assume is like a child soldier. Yes, definitely. Um, and he kind of grows up and becomes his own person. And it's like nice to watch that kind of thing in the midst of like intergalactic war. Yeah. His journey is maybe my favorite, actually. Overall. Yeah, we'll talk about it a bunch at the end. But for what we see in this one, what I really love is so he realizes that he's not doing what he should be. Yes. Essentially, his conscience kicks in. Yeah. And when he makes that turn to be. At first, a deserter, then maybe a rebel, and then a hero. But it takes a long time to get there. He's not just heroic instantly. Right. He's in, at the beginning, when he meets Poe, he just wants to save himself. Yes, he just wants to get off the ship. And then once he gets down to Jakku, you get to see him pretending to be a hero, but what he thinks a hero is. Yes. Not by someone who's ever experienced any sort of heroism. So you see him doing things like, yeah, yeah, I'm with the rebellion. I'm, yes, I'm with the rebellion. And like trying to play it up. And then how he's always trying to save Ray at the beginning. And yes. she's like, look at the two of us. I don't need any saving. No, and she's like, I got clear. this. Also, I like that little bit of like girl power. Mm-hmm. Like she's an orphan. She clearly has had to like look out for herself her entire life. And so she like totally tells Finn off and is like, I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah, that was a great moment for the two of them. Yeah. Both in her establishing her own abilities and then him kind of learning what a hero actually is. Yeah. Not what he thinks it might be. Exactly. I um like I love that whole little like when they're running through the 
is it the market on Jakku? Yeah. Then when they're running to that, and he keeps trying to hold her hand and like pull her out of harm's way, and she's like, "You don't even know this place. Like, let I've got this. Let me like be in control here." So, what do you think of Ray, or at least our introduction to her in this first movie? I liked her. I have to admit, in the first movie, I didn't really understand the big, like, mania around her, and I come to like her a lot more in, like, the second and the third. Oh, what's the big mania about her? Do people love her or do they hate her? Love her. Oh, okay. It's like, it was, like, the hottest Halloween costume, and everybody wanted to be Rey, and, like, she was very, very popular. It also looks like one of the comfiest costumes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She, I was thinking, like, her outfit kind of evolves throughout the three movies, and every single time I'm like, she's, like, the comfiest person in this movie. And she always has such hot shoulders, so she needs those shoulder vents all the time. It's a, it's a problem. Yeah. Hot shoulders. Oh, tell me about it. That's why they call me old hot shoulders Randella. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So Ray, of course, is the reflection of Luke and maybe to a lesser extent Anakin. But there's a bit of a difference with her. And I think that comes into her starting point. While Luke is very similar in a lot of ways, he's living there with a family. Mm -hmm. And Ray is completely alone. Yes. And at the time, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is showing that she's strong and things like that. But we'll talk about it once we get to the third movie, how that kind of comes back, how she is truly self-made. Although there's a lot of things that detract from that, which I have issue with. In the third movie? Yeah, we'll talk about that, too. We'll get there. But she's not someone who is wasting time with her friends. She doesn't want to go to Tashi Station to pick up power converters. She's not some surly teen like Anakin. She's all business right from the beginning. Yes, And I think that I like that part of her story for sure because it makes her like a powerful woman without having to like really make her a powerful woman. Like, you know how sometimes film will show women as like overcoming obstacles. Isn't this great? And she's a woman. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's really punched up and like you really, you get it. You're like, okay, I get it. She's a woman. She's powerful but they're like really beating you over the head with it. This is nice because her whole backstory lends to the fact that she had no other choice. Yeah, this is just who she is. I go back and forth on her character a lot. A lot of the time I really like her and a lot of the time I feel like there's missed opportunities. I think I hold her character to a higher standard because she's she's the lead. Mm -hmm. And we get to see some really interesting stuff with Finn, I'd argue more interesting. And then I just kind of wish that sort of thing happened to Ray. There is a lot of interesting stuff, but I'd argue less. But then I also think about Luke. And Luke's kind of the least interesting character of his series as well. It's very true. It's all about like the main characters, so Luke or Ray, and all the really interesting people they meet. Yeah, and their story is much more linear. Yes. You see the path that they're on very early on, and it's fun to watch them get there. Exactly, There isn't so much whether they will or not. But I think there was opportunities for that with Ray that they didn't take, which is a little disappointing, but overall I do like her a lot. Mm -hmm. I I feel like maybe, and maybe J.J. Abrams was like, oh, we just missed the boat on that one. But um, I really appreciate that they didn't go as hard on her, like, strong femaleness. Mm -hmm. Because there are other really great strong females in this movie um, who have interesting traits and can be played a little bit more like um like carrie fisher yes like she's the strong woman from the original trilogy Mm. so it's general organa general organa so it's like kind of neat to see her interact with other strong women and not make it like 
us, just the girls, yeah. just just you girls. They don't have to have a shot like in Avengers Endgame when all these women who have never met before all pose together and yeah. say like, hey, we're strong women. Exactly. And it felt very forced. It doesn't need to be like a joke or any like mm-hmm. humorousness when they meet. It's just like that's general Organa and, you know, moving on. <laughs> I think the one issue maybe I have with Ray, and I think a lot of people have this issue, is she's so good at everything. Yeah. I would like to see her fail. Because that was one good thing we have on Luke's hero journey is in the second movie, he's failing all over the place. Yes. Ray's not really doing that. And at first I liked how when she meets up with Han Solo, she's a great engineer, so she can help on that stuff. She's good at mechanical things. Yeah. But then we also learned that, oh, she's also a great pilot. Oh, and also she's a great at hand-to-hand combat. And also she's great at the force. Yeah. She just can do it all and speak a bunch of languages. And speak a bunch of languages and get along with everybody. And I do wish that she had like her things. And then it kind of takes away from her mechanical abilities, which is the first thing I noticed about her because she can do all these other things as well. Yeah. But that's kind of how the whole series goes with the force. You need less and less training as things go. Mm -hmm. So Anakin was started training when he was like six years or something. Because it was like the Jedi school. Yeah, and they said like, oh, that's too late to learn. And then he's a teenager and they're like, okay, I guess it's all right, but you really didn't get your proper training. And then Luke's next and he trains for like a couple of months. And then he's great at things, (laughs) but you're like, oh, he never completed his training, but I guess it's all right. And then Ray just sees a lightsaber, picks it up and is like, oh yeah, I can just do this. And then just all of a sudden (laughs) is using mind control on stormtroopers. Yeah. Never having even known what it was. Like, nobody's ever explained the Force to her. She's never met a Jedi. It's like, all of a sudden, she's just like, oh, I guess I have mind control powers now. She literally thought it was a fairy tale. Yeah. A couple of days earlier. (laughs) And all of a sudden, she can use it. Yeah. So that's like one little thing, but I'm generally forgiving of that because... I get that they can't do a whole origin story and have to do all the training and stuff like that, too. The one thing I think they should have done, though, is in the finale, when she has her little showdown with Kylo Ren, she should have lost. Absolutely. Just like Luke loses to Vader the first time, she definitely should have lost to Kylo Ren. And it makes sense because he's trained his whole life and she saw a lightsaber for the first time yesterday. Yeah. So it makes sense that she should lose. She shouldn't have yeah like they her and finn could have just been running away and then when the ground opens up they're separated so she gets saved by that yeah and then she comes back after like learning things and defeats him in the finale exactly that would have been really good because it's like redemption yeah but that scene is one of my very favorite visuals in all of the star wars movies including the original trilogy the fight in the forest yeah the woods with the snow yeah it's beautiful. It's beautifully shot. When she has like a vision of that, I had forgotten how powerful that whole like kind of visual is of them fighting in the snow and um, like blood in the snow and the red lightsaber in, like against that like black red or the black and white kind of background almost. Mm-hmm. It was so cool to see that. And then watching that fight, for sure, I think that might be my favorite battle scene. Yeah, and how it's lit that the light two lightsabers are the primary sources of light. Yes. So you get to see these shots, especially there's this one of Rey 
and they're kind of at a stalemate and both of their lightsabers are crisscrossed and you get to see the blue and red x's in ray's eyes because yes. she's watching it so cool very cool lighting and throughout this even when finn grabs a lightsaber that's a real cool shot too absolutely so what did you think about seeing Chewie, Han, and Leia again after so long. I was happy. It was like coming home. Was... And that's what they say when <laughs> exactly, they... Exactly, yeah. I'll admit that I saw it in theaters the first time, and when he walked in and said, Chewie, we're home, I, I got goosebumps. Oh, yeah, like, it no, totally it, worked it's on It's totally me. a goosebump moment where yeah. you're like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know it's, so happy. it's pandering, but... Oh, it's total fan service, but it oh, works. but it works. Yeah. It works. There's a couple of things in this that are total fan service, but yeah. I just like... But if it works Some and it elicits really that emotion, well. then I guess, great. I guess I wanted that bit of fan service. Exactly. There are some things that are like, it's not like they're putting in characters from the old movies that like don't really need to be there just because people love them so much. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that like old relationship that you probably saw when you were like, I think the first time I saw these, I was maybe like nine. And it's so f- interesting to, like, feel that nostalgia and, the, like, happiness that you're, like, remembering something from, from like, happy times. I loved seeing Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher together now. I know. Because it's, they've lost all of that, um, like, sexual chemistry and things like that. And I don't mean they like, lost it as, like, oh, it's not working anymore. It's that they've, these characters have lived through that. They had their flirtatious time. They had a, a marriage and a child and everything. Yes. And now they're at a very different place. And watching them together, like, all of that came through. It, it did. felt very it real. It did. And it, I like that they didn't have them, like, like bad divorced parents. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I can't even look at you. I'm yeah, like, it wasn't that. It no. wasn't that they're madly in love. It's that they tried something and clearly they loved each other and still do love each yeah. other. But because of what happened with their son, they couldn't be together it was anymore. Too hard. Yeah, it just didn't work. Yeah. And they, they kind of seem to be okay with that. And it's nice to see that like happy conclusion because I feel like if it had been like bad divorced parents or something, it. Just like that would have been rough to see. It would have been rough to see, and I think um, this is like honestly the best way that they could have done this. Yeah, yeah, I really liked how uh, how their relationship was written in this one. It was sad but touching at the same time. I agree. I also liked when we got to see Solo with Ray. Yeah, and he was kind of like a father figure to to her a little bit. Yes. And he was impressed with her and that little bit of validation that he gave her, you could see like it kind of yeah. did something for her, right? Yeah, and and Leia too, like the way that she kind of comforts Ray and shows her um, like kindness and guidance and that kind of thing and like trust in her. Um, you can tell that like Han and Leia almost become her like pseudo parents. Yes, and then that comes back later because... Kylo Ren is saying, like, he's not the father figure you think he is. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in this movie. When we talk about it like this, I'm like, oh, maybe this movie is great. (laughs) It's such a good story. Well, should we talk about Han Solo's death? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoilers for this old movie. And spoilers for all these movies. Yeah. You know how this podcast works, right, guys? It's a spoiler zone. Major spoiler zone. So Han Solo dies. Yeah. There, we said it. I have to admit, when he stabbed him, I remember being in the theater and, like, gasping because it was so jarring to think of the fact that he could die. Like, Han Solo is that guy who, like, 
is like wild and crazy and seems like he's gonna live forever so yeah because he's been through so much he's right? been through so much and he's lived like so many death-defying things and always comes out fine always is unscathed and suddenly watching him get stabbed not just by his son but like just watching him get stabbed it's like it was so jarring and so shocking i know the first time i saw the movie i was it was a lot of me thinking this should happen now oh i don't want this to happen and kind of jumping ahead and when they were on that catwalk together i was thinking like this is when he should kill his father and then it happened and i was like yeah, that's what should happen. But also, I was it was sad. And then yes. when I watched it this time around, knowing what was going to happen, I could really appreciate the moment. And yes. it's it's Good very moment. well done. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly really... well well done. And uh, yeah, kudos to to all of them in it. Um, Adam Driver is Kylo Ren. I really like Adam Driver. Adam Driver is he the best actor in all of Star Wars history? <laughs> uh, he might be. He's fantastic. He is fantastic. And he does that conflicted good versus evil thing so well in just his facial expressions Mm -hmm. that I just like, yeah, I can't imagine anyone else playing Kylo Ren. Yeah, because I think Kylo Ren's not my favorite character by any stretch in Star Wars. But I think his performance through these three movies might be the best acting in all of the Star Wars movies. Absolutely. Come at me, Twitterverse. Is that what they call it? (laughs) Yeah. Twitterverse. People are going to be all angry. Yeah. Because like, he's just a mopey teen. I was like, oh, he is so much more. No, Anakin so much was more. just a mopey teen. Yes. Oh, my God. Anakin. Worst. Yeah. And that scene where he kills his father, like the line of, I know what I need to do, but I don't have the strength. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the opposite uh, that we see with these types of characters most often. He wants to be evil. Yes. But he's having a hard time doing it. Because he's, you know... Not a terrible human down exactly. deep down, but he is, of course, because he does all these things. But <laughs> thank you for finishing my sentence because that was better put than I could have. <laughs> it's the opposite that we usually see this type of person, character, struggle go. Yes, it's not someone who is bad and trying to be good. He's good and he's trying so hard to be bad, and it's to see him use that. And to kill his father and think that this is going to get him what he wants. And ultimately, of course, it doesn't. It's it's a great character moment for him. I think it's a fitting death for Han. It's not some big self-sacrificing thing like we've seen a lot of the time for for people to die. But it made sense because that this was the one time he was doing what he was told. Because yeah. remember, Leia says, like, bring our son home. And that's all he's trying to do. Yeah. After all of these years of never doing, li- never listening to anyone, always being the rebel, yes. he's trying to be a good father. I know. And, and that's how he oh. goes out. And uh, you might think like, oh, he died for nothing. It didn't even matter. But I don't think that's the case. I think it was such a great character moment for both of them. Yeah. Because you get to see the growth of Han Solo while we have in all these years that we haven't seen him. He's finally, like, he's finally trying to be a father when they're like pads. When he and Leia like cross paths again, he's like, I can do it this time. And it's so heart wrenching to watch him get stabbed on that catwalk. It's weird. There's just so much more emotion in general in this movie than in any of the other Star Wars ones. Of course, in the prequels, because everyone is just like wooden in those more than the original trilogy as well, because those are more campy and fun and light. Of course, there's some there's tension and there's yes. drama and things, but not not to this extent. Uh, yeah, I also appreciate the lack of romantic energy 
in this movie. Yes, and I'll complain about how that came back in the third movie. Yes, but this yeah, movie I I agree. Like Ray doesn't need a love interest. Um, Finn doesn't need need to become human and fall in love with somebody. Poe Dameron doesn't have a girl back home. Luke and Leia don't get back together. It's like really I nice. mean Han and Leia. Han and Leia yeah. don't get back together. <laughs> Luke and Leia never did have another kiss after that one, it's so that's good. Probably good. Yeah. <laughs> but I would argue there is one really good romance in this. Which one? The one between Poe and Finn. Oh, romance. I I don't think we need to uh, unnecessarily gender it by calling it a bromance. I think it's just it's just a nice little romance. Yeah. The two of them, when they see each other, that's true love. Yes, the pure joy. Yeah, you can say like, oh, it's not romantic, they're not gay. Like, either way, if they're gay, awesome. If they're not, awesome. Because they love each other. Because there's like brother That's love what matters. Too, right? Yeah. Like, being legitimately happy to see someone. Yeah. And having that like instant connection is like, it's not always romantic. Yeah, it can, it's just that, but... Although I absolutely do think it's romantic. And I, <laughs> I really want them to get together. Oh, that'd be so good. There are so many times when they'd see each other and hug, I'd always just go, kiss! I know. And during the, uh, when we watched the third movie this weekend, there was one moment where my brain was like, kiss! Yeah. <laughs> and I almost said it out loud. Um, but it's it's very obvious. And I love their chemistry. Yeah, they are so good together. I just wanted, I would love a side movie of the two of them just like, on some little mission, and then... Poe and Finn. Yeah. And then one night, they're, like, kind of in a jail cell, and they're going, like, we have to break out of here. But then they, like, spend the night together, and they <laughs> fall in love. And then they get out, and they finish their mission. Yes. That I like this. Good I like this a lot. Yeah. The two of them, I was really... Uh, what's the term? I was really shipping them. You were really shipping them? Yeah. I didn't know what that meant at first, when that started being a phrase. Oh, I first heard it back uh, in X-Files times. That's when I... Oh, see, I like learned about it like maybe three years ago. Oh, yeah. Shippers for uh, Mulder and Scully. I was not a shipper in that. I preferred them to be separate, just mm-hmm. just for the record, for all you X-Files people out there. So everyone knows. Well, what are some other things you liked about this one? I really like the um, kind of the comfortableness that like Finn, Poe, and Ray have together. Yes, I'd agree. They're not, like I said earlier, I really like that she doesn't fall in love with either of them. They're just like, they could be any gender. It could be three girls, it could be three guys, it could be two girls and a guy. Like it, it could be any combination because their friendship is just, it's just friendship. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in the third movie, I think. But there was a point, uh, it's later in the third movie, where they all hug, and I was like, oh, they can just all three of them be a romantic threesome. They don't need to be a pair. No. Yeah, and then they'll all love each other, and that would be, I'd be into that too. And everything in the galaxy will be good. Yeah. <laughs> Some other things I really liked. I loved seeing kind of the ruins of the old empire. Yeah. Because you get to see Ray scavenging these big star destroyers and yeah, things like that. Yeah, that was really cool. And um, I liked the kind of beginning of the movie where she's like lowering herself on a rope down inside this thing just and I felt like it just reminded you the scale of some of this like space stuff as opposed to how small humans are and I I liked that because it really did a good job of getting you back into the like the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. I also loved a lot of their big Nazi scenes or there's one in particular it's in the mountains and it like 
They really dialed that Nazi up. Yeah, because they were always space Nazis. That scene in the mountains just dwarfs anything you'd see in Triumph of the Will. But it's such a beautiful shot and it's threatening and imposing. I wish we kind of got a little more of that extreme Nazi stuff because it looked it looked beautiful. It was beautiful and it was so very obvious that it was like Nazi adjacent. <laughs> yeah, if you uh, ever go watch Lenny Riefenstahl's Triumph of the Will, which is just an actual documentary that because she was a uh, Nazi propaganda filmmaker, but makes oh. beautiful stuff. And she documented all of those rallies I think it was the Nuremberg rallies, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But watch Triumph of the Will. It's beautifully shot, but it is also Nazi propaganda. Yeah. I also loved Ren's tantrums. Right. Because you'd see people in the past, the bad guys, oh, most upsetting. But he is like a, a sullen teenager who is a, a fanboy of the Nazis, not a Nazi himself. Yeah. And he would just go crazy and start smashing stuff. That <laughs> seemed very appropriate to his character and something that we don't really see much. And you'd think that the Sith, since they're all ruled by anger, that they would do that kind of thing more often. Yeah, it's interesting how calm and collected everybody, like Darth Vader and all of those guys, like how together that they were, you'd think that they'd be a little bit more reactive. So, of course, all of these movies have some plot holes and things like that. The only ones that bothered me are all kind of in that same same category. So why was R2-D2 asleep? He just went to bed. He was so sad. But they couldn't just wake him up? It's a robot. Isn't there like a button? Yeah, he, he missed his, his best friend. Okay, so then why does he just wake up spontaneously? Because uh, he can help. Oh, how did he get the map? I don't know. How did BB-8 get a, a piece of the map? The only piece that R2 was missing. Because Poe had the jump drive. Yeah, but what's that? where's that from? I don't know. Why did Luke make a map if he wanted to be... Hidden Alone forever. forever. I don't know. So yeah, none of that makes sense. But it's just <laughs> I don't have a lot of good answers to that. <laughs> Nor did I expect any, but it's just they're like, oh, okay, we need this for the movie. But the part about like, oh yeah, R2's just powered down, no one can do anything about it. It doesn't seem like that's how like robots would work. Force reboot a robot. Yeah. That's just like Padme dying from being too sad. Like yeah. that's not how those things work. No. That is not how death works. So I guess R2 powered down because he was so sad. He had Padme disorder. Yeah, he did. <laughs> All right. So final thoughts on The Force Awakens? I love it. You love it? I love it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Do you have any final thoughts or do you have like a novel? No, I can, <laughs> I can uh, scale it back. So this movie is definitely derivative. It is A New Hope. It takes so much from that. And it's lazy at times, but because I think the performances are so strong, yeah, it really carries it. So it's derivative, but it, there's growth to it, too. Mm -hmm. I think when I first saw it, I was like, no, it's great. And then I thought about it. And I was like, oh, it's just lazy. It's between the two. Yeah. It's a good movie. Of course, yes, there's a lot of fan service trying to make up for the prequels. There's a lot of giving in to fan demands. Yes. And maybe not as many risks because of that. But the performances and especially the chemistry between the actors mm -hmm. overcomes all of that. And I think it's a pretty solid movie. It's quite good. Yeah. Pretty it's definitely a great start. Yes. Yeah. To a new trilogy, for sure. Yeah. Well, so let's move on now. To the 2017 Star Wars The Last Jedi. So The Last Jedi 
is definitely the one that polarizes audiences the most. It's a different director. So Ryan Johnson came in for this one. Different writer, different director. And he definitely wanted to do his own thing. And you either love it or hate it, it seems like. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I liked this one for sure. There's so much about this movie that I like and that there's directions where Johnson's taking the franchise that are so exciting to hear about. But ultimately, I kept getting disappointed by how they were implemented. Yeah. Because he was definitely trying to to undermine a lot of things that we've been led to believe and to take things in a new direction, which is so exciting because it's the exact opposite of what Abrams is doing the first one because it was just a remake, right? Yeah. So I think I saw almost everything in this movie in three stages. Like, so something would happen and I'd be like, oh, that's kind of stupid. And then I'd think (laughs) about it and be like, oh, but actually there's this great reason for it. And if you think about this and this and this, it makes it so smart. And then the third stage would be like, I'd watch it again and go like, yeah, but it is like ultimately disappointing. (laughs) I think a lot of people who love this movie love the changes, how progressive it is. The people who hate it say like, oh, you're ruining this, you're ruining that. And they have feel like a really personal connection of like, I own this thing and you can't change it. And I feel like I'm in a third camp where it's just like, yeah, those things are all well and good, but it's not always well done. It's very clunky in a lot of places. And this one definitely didn't have the like, the appeal that the first movie had, like that um, Force Awakens had. I... I definitely felt like there was a little bit too much kind of almost slapstick humor, like when Luke is fighting and it's just his force projection, it's not actually him. So when Kylo orders them to shoot at him, he just like brushes his shoulder off. There is so many really broad jokes in this. Yeah. And I don't care for them. But that's something that you can dislike and still like the movie. I yeah. Think. But yeah, the humor in this one is is too much. Too much, yeah. And I felt like this new director was really trying to like pick up where the last one left off and make it even better. I think ultimately, you know, you want that next film to be yours as well for directing. And so I feel like they just tried too hard. Maybe, yeah. I feel like we just pushed that like joke stuff too hard and it just didn't it didn't pay off. Those jokes in this movie seem really indicative of this time in filmmaking. Right. Because of all of those Marvel movies where every time there's the slightest idea of tension, it's undercut by some silly quip. Yeah. This really went into that a little uh, a little too much. Yes, I agree. One thing that I did like in this movie was um the appearance of children, I didn't realize it, but you don't really see kids in this movie unless they're going to grow up to be something mm-hmm. very specific, like seeing Anakin as a child or seeing um, like Luke as a child. You don't really see that unless they're very, very important. But when they go to the casino city, Space Monaco, you see these kids and you really see how children are treated in the galaxy because they're basically slaves. And um, it was really neat to get to see another aspect of the galaxy because that was something that, like, there has to be kids in the galaxy. So what are they doing? And it was really cool to kind of get that backstory. 
I think that whole bit with the casino is a good example of how I was saying that I saw everything in three stages. Right. So first with the casino business, I saw it and I was like, this just doesn't seem like Star Wars to me. It's like, I don't care for this. Why are we here right now? <laughs> and then I thought about it and it also has a lot of things that I should that I specifically should really be into because it's talking about like, oh, these are the rich people who are war profiteers and showing that like the impoverished children have to clean everything. Those seem like themes that I'd be really into. So then I came around on it and be like, oh yeah, it's introducing some really important ideas that weren't talked about in any of the Star Wars movies. Exactly. About the profits of war and who's really paying for things, who's really profiting from it all. Yeah. I I did find it really interesting to get that backstory on where all the ships are coming from. And, like, obviously someone's probably profiting off of it because someone has to make those ships or find the ships. It was interesting when they steal the ship uh, to get out of Space Monaco. You see that they have, like, almost like an inventory on the ship of what this person has to sell. And you see both... Um, First Order and Rebel ships. So it's like people who aren't picking a side, they're just making money. Yeah. And so all of those themes made me think that like, yeah, actually, this was a really uh, important part for the movie. But then I came down to the third stage again of if they cut this whole sequence, would the movie be any worse? And I was like, no, not really. Yeah. And that's where I land with a lot of these things. Great ideas. And I want to explore them. But it just wasn't always done terribly well. True. I agree. I also felt like that about Laura Dern's character. She's yeah. Holdo? Is that what she's called? Either way, we'll just call her Laura Dern. Okay. <laughs> so how did you feel about her performance in this? I wasn't a fan. I'm a huge Laura Dern fan. I did not enjoy her in this movie. I'm glad you said that because... She's good. I've seen her be good. She's fantastic. I I really I thought she her. was very bad in this, I and agree. I just didn't quite understand what was happening. I was like, wait, is Laura Dern a bad actor? Because <laughs> she didn't look good in this. I feel like it might have been the director. I don't know because also in this one we get such good performances from the other ones. Yeah, like the only saving grace of this movie to me is. Kylo Ren, Finn, and Rey, because they do some of the best work that they've that they've done. Yeah. But the Laura Dern thing was like another three-step thing for me. So I saw it the first time and I was like, she belongs in Hunger Games, not Star Wars. Well, like, she very much what is that outfit Games. all about? It didn't seem like of this world. And I didn't get it. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, this is an important character to have. She's someone who is followed in Leia's footsteps, right? She's not a force power, but she's a military power. The fact that some like cocky asshole is questioning her instead of like listening to her experience and authority, that's something important to include in the movie. Yeah. And then I came around to the third time, I watched it again and I was just like, yeah, but she's pretty bad in this. And she is bad. Also if she had just said her plan at the beginning, there wouldn't have been a big issue. Yeah, there would have been no like mutiny, mutiny yeah. and there would have been no fight and everybody would have gotten away okay yeah again some like great ideas and a character that could be interesting but not utilized in the best way and then i feel like they had to leave her on the ship just to redeem her yeah maybe 
I feel like she could have had a, a really good role in the resistance, like in the next movie as well. But because she's such a hard to work with character, I think they had to leave her on the ship to give her like a redeeming quality. Yeah. And also if we introduce flying into other ships at light speed, any small ship could do that and take out a really large one from yeah. across the galaxy because you just fly into it at light speed. Exactly. But that probably won't come up again. What do you think about Rose's character? I like her. I think um, it's nice to see someone who isn't like the most beautiful woman alive. Or like not looking like a typical action star as well. Yeah, it was kind of nice to see that. Um, but I think that... By giving her, like, a crush on Finn, it, it kind of degrades her character a little bit. I don't know. I kind of had a crush on Finn, too. So. <laughs> Everyone loves Finn. <laughs> he really is. He's quite lovable. Yeah, it's another... She's a really polarizing character. People love her or they hate her. And again, I'm in the middle of, like, it's great to see someone who wouldn't typically be in this type of movie. And then also, I think, if we took her character out, would this movie be any worse? No. 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 I wish I loved her more, but she's fine. Yeah. The actress is quite good at what she, she does. Is. Yeah, no, I, I really liked her. There's just not a lot for her to do. One thing that Ryan Johnson did to kind of upend what Abrams had done previously that I really did love is the revelation when Kylo Ren says to Ray, like, you were sold for drinking money. Yeah. You come from nothing. You are nothing. Yeah. And I loved that so much. Because it was a return to what I thought the original trilogy was about. That someone can come from nothing and have this power. Yes. It's not midichlorians. It's not genetic. It's some sort of something intrinsic, something that's a strength of will almost. And because Ray is always making the right choices, choosing to be good, choosing mm -hmm. to do everything she can to help others... That's her strength, and that's why she's kind of rewarded with these force powers. Yes. Of course, that's undone in the next movie, but we'll talk about that then. Ugh. But it was so <laughs> important for me. Maybe I took it a little too personally that someone can come from nothing and be powerful in this world. Yeah. Because that's something that we don't get anymore. After those prequels, especially. Oh Yeah, everyone's royal, and everyone's... You like know, related to related to someone who's very important it was very much a uh a nice departure because that gave her the ability to kind of make her own story yes and that's the thing that we get we think is set up at the beginning because she's truly an orphan she has no family at all mm -hmm. she is so self-made and doing everything for her own that when we get the revelation later that no actually you're following in this grand plan i felt cheated by that mm -hmm. i love that this character is truly self-made yeah and that she has a use and that's only because she didn't have a family and she had to push herself so hard that she ends up becoming a really good resistance fighter because she has only relied on herself and she doesn't need a lot of help. Yeah, she does these things because she has to. Yes. That's what it comes down to Ray's character is she is a great engineer because she had to be. She's a great fighter because she had to be. Yes. The force power is a different thing, but we can get into that. <laughs> we can. Another thing a lot of people have issue with is Leia kind of flying through space. What do you think of that part? Oh, that was dumb. <laughs> 
I thought it was going to be Han dies in one movie, Leia dies in the next, or like Han and Leia are finally together. That's how it felt. And then she wakes up and is saved and continues on. The actual flight through space looked bad. It did. It did. It was very silly. silly looking. And I can forgive like all these new force powers that are coming out. If she can do that with a force, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I don't understand it. So sure, I'm fine with that. But it looked silly. But the thing that made me dislike it more is if she had died then, it would have been such a great place for Kylo Ren's character. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, he is coming in to kill her and destroy that ship. He senses her and he stops. That gives him like one little bit of humanity and then his like minions come in and blow up the ship. So if she had died then, he would have kind of taken that on upon himself and it would have been useful to his character and where his character eventually goes. Yeah. But instead she just kind of flies back to safety and she's cool. Also, that would have been a really good place because uh, Carrie Fisher died before this movie was released. Yes. So that would have been a really good place to leave her mm-hmm. and not continue her on in the story and i'll complain about how she dies later in the next movie but yes this would have been a more impactful moment for especially for kylo ren's character development but for for the arc overall i think she would have had a huge send-off had that been allowed to like be the end of her what did you think about luke's death we actually haven't talked about luke much at all in this (laughs) i liked it but i feel like he could have had a like a bigger death yeah because for someone who was like the hero of the last movie Mm -hmm. the last three yeah this movie and the next seem to set up this idea that if you use the force really hard it kills you which doesn't make much sense because luke dies because he projects himself like across the world into that fight and then that kills him yeah why? I really don't know. Like, what was the point of him dying? It's strange. And if you had had him die like Obi-Wan dies. So yeah. if he's in a battle with Kylo Ren, like actually there. Yeah. And does the whole, like, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful. And then Kylo Ren does the thing where he strikes him down, but his clothes are empty and he just, the clothes fall to the ground. Like yeah. with Obi-Wan. Like with Obi-Wan. Then it, again, it'll do something to Kylo Ren's character, and it was kind of that sacrifice on Luke's behalf. And then you can have Luke joining the Force and kind of guiding Rey as Obi-Wan did with him. But instead, we have him just, like, sitting on a rock and then going, like, all right, I guess I'm done. He just disappears. Yeah. The way he dies, most people don't even know. Only Rey and Leia can kind of feel it. Yeah. No one else knows he died. He'd just be dead on a rock. In a, like, planet that's not actually mapped. Yeah. And that would be He the just end. joins the force, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I wish his death was a little... Bigger. Bigger, or at least just done differently. It doesn't have to be big. It could have been very much like Obi-Wan's, which was very small. Yes, yeah. But it felt meaningful. And I think by having him on this rock alone didn't feel as meaningful and instead felt kind of sad. Yeah, it was sad. And it was... It didn't feel like a hero's death. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. There's a lot we could just talk about how of Luke's character and how he's in this really dark place. But that's another one of those things that people hated. But then I loved that there's this idea that he is doing this out of preservation for the world. Right. He's seen the damage that the Jedi and the Sith can do and ending it, he thinks, is the best choice. 
And that's such an interesting idea to explore. But in the end, we just get this grumpy guy, like, throwing the lightsaber away in yeah. a terrible joke. It was, yeah, there was a lot of things that were just, like, kind of too sticky to make it, like, serious. I think my other biggest problem with this movie is we were talking how much we loved the trio of Poe, Finn, and Ray. And in this one, they're separated the whole time. Yeah, it was weird. I wanted to see them together. I know. I just wanted another, like, buddy movie of them <laughs> saving the galaxy. I think most armies should just be replaced by a couple of R2 units or a couple of BB units. Because BB-8 takes out two armies on separate occasions in this movie. R2 always takes out the entire armies as well. What good are droids and st- or, like, the battle droids and stormtroopers when you have, like, these types that yeah. can just do anything do anything did you know that bb8 was voiced by bill Hader? how do you mean voiced like he did all the beeps and boops and everything for that's so weird why i don't know i'd seen him doing r2 impressions and he does a chewbacca and all sorts of things he does a lot of sound stuff but huh no i didn't know that that's odd yeah i know (laughs) so any final thoughts on the last jedi didn't like it as much as i liked force awakens i felt like it was trying to one up and didn't quite make it and i uh kind of just wished that jj abrams had continued on and not put all of the like jokey funny moments in i like that ryan johnson came in and tried things I like that he tried to subvert what we think should happen, and I like that he didn't care about these angry fanboys who were just so upset about every little thing. On the other hand, I don't think it was a good movie. I kind of hate agreeing with people that I hate. Yeah. Because I hate there's like some really toxic fandom to Star Wars. For sure. And it's gross, and I hate it, but this also wasn't very good. It's not bad in the reasons they say it's bad. It's not bad because we get an Asian woman on screen. It's not bad because there's a female lead who is so powerful. It's bad because so many of these ideas just aren't fully realized. Yes, absolutely. And it it could have gone a lot further than it did. And I think that would have made it a better movie. Yeah. A couple of last minute good things that from The Last Jedi that we didn't mention. The Force Skype idea. When they would kind of be in each other's worlds. I thought that was really effective. That was very cool. Uh, The throne room fight thing. When they killed Snoke and then they had that battle. Yeah. In that red room. That looked super awesome. And the movie looked really good. I loved the little Rashomon type idea of how Luke almost killed Kylo Ren. And we get to see their two ideas of what what actually happened. But yeah, lots of good stuff. Lots of not so good stuff. Lots of not so good stuff. Shall we move on? Let's move on to 2019 Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, the final film in our nine-part Skywalker saga. So we just saw this in theaters the other day. Yeah. We only got to see it the one time because I'm not going to go pay money for it twice. No, it's expensive to see that movie. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't even have to talk about what we thought the first time. First impressions. What did you think? I really liked it. I thought it was a good kind of wrap up. I don't think we needed to bring Palpatine back. I don't think she needed to be a Palpatine. But I felt like it was a really nice wrap up of the whole kind of saga. What about you? What did you think? I mostly agree. I think it was good. I didn't love it. There's a lot of things they could have done differently, of course, but... 
it was a pretty fitting end, I think. I think so. I cried. Did you cry? I didn't. Oh. At what point did you cry? At the like the end. Mm, I thought maybe when C-3PO turns back and says, I just want to look at my friends one more time before he gets his mind erased. Oh, yeah. He that said was... something like that. I was like, oh, I could have cried then. Or when Rey starts hearing all of the voices of the other Jedi and you can hear that Luke and you can hear great. Anakin and you can hear Mace Windu because his is a very... Uh, discernible voice but that part i could see that would make people cry but it actually didn't i think maybe in the theater i was less likely because there was more distractions in the theater it was so distracting than when we watched at home because we have a really nice setup at home so we can see it and hear it great but yeah we have like good sound in the tv so it's like watching it in the theater yeah but there's this kid next to me and was just talking to his dad through the whole movie i don't even blame the kid the dad was talking to him just at full volume yeah being like oh what do you think's gonna happen there oh yeah that looks pretty cool huh i don't need to hear that the whole time shut up dad but anyways yeah it was good i think i still am processing what i really think about it i think i am too i think what i dislike the most is what you were talking about so after the first movie, Abrams had set up a really derivative story, good or bad, derivative. Yeah. And which Johnson then took and completely upended it. Good or bad, that's up to you, but that's what happened. And then in this movie, Abrams is just like, okay, well, now I'm going to undo everything you did and make it my own thing again. Yeah. So it seems like the movies, they're not cohesive. In fact, they're fighting with each other. They're undoing what the last one had done. And the most egregious case of this is when we get our opening crawl in this movie, it just said, the dead live! Something like that, right? Yeah, it was weird. It was like um, like a tabloid headline. Yeah, and it says, somehow, Emperor Palpatine is back. And that's all the explanation? Just yeah. Somehow he's back? Somehow. So what we've learned, if you get thrown down one of those endless holes in Star Wars, you'd think you're definitely dead. Yeah. But in fact, no. Luke gets thrown down one. And just kind of ends out on an antenna at the bottom of Cloud City, gets picked up. Palpatine gets thrown down one. He's back. We don't know how. Yeah. Darth Maul gets cut in half and thrown down one. He's fine, too. It's very strange. How does does everyone just survive those? But there you have it. So if you ever want to escape in Star Wars, you actually just jump down the endless hole. You'll be fine. (laughs) That is what I've learned from Star Wars. Yeah, so back to the list of all the things that he undoes. Rey's heritage is very important again. She's not from no one. She, in fact, is a Palpatine. Uh, Kylo gets the mask back on and is more his old self again. Uh, Palpatine was a bad guy this whole time. Even when it was Snoke, it was actually Palpatine, I guess. Yeah. You can't just say, like, oh, actually, all of that was just me. Yeah, because he... That's lazy. They they made it so that he is all the Siths. So any Sith, he is them. I felt that was more figurative, but maybe it was literal. So he can control Snoke. Yeah, he couldn't control Kylo Ren, I guess? Or could control to a point and then stopped? I found that kind of confusing. Yeah. And then we get Rose is demoted back to being a background character yeah. because who wants to see Asian women? We're very angry about that, <laughs> that she got any screen time. So she's back to where she started. Uh, Finn is just paired with whoever again. Luke isn't grumpy anymore. He's back to being like kind of the Jedi that we knew and love. 
Han Solo even gets a chance to return. And Chewie finally gets his medal. I did really love that Chewie got his medal. Yeah, that was so nice. That always made me angry that he didn't get a medal at the end of A New Hope. Yes. So those are all the ways where it undoes what the last movie had done. But let's go over a few things that we liked. What did you like about this movie? I liked how it was... It felt like the first of this trilogy. It felt like Force Awakens. It felt like a good continuation of it. And um, I enjoyed kind of the sets of it. I feel like we lost some of that like really eye-catching set in the second one. This one, it was like back to the old thing. One of my favorite parts was when um, they're exploring and fighting on the Death Star, which is in the ocean. And that, like, that whole scene just, like, blew my mind. It was so good. I think I might disagree with the sets on The Last Jedi because I thought there were some, like, really great set pieces on that one, actually. But, yeah, I agree with you. The best thing I had seen in quite some time was the size of those waves crashing up against the remnants of the old Death Star. That was a really cool sequence. And I like how J.J. Abrams likes to remind you how small humans are in this world. <laughs> That's true. He likes to he likes those big wides. Yeah. So I think I didn't talk during this entire movie because we were in the theater, but I yeah. leaned over and I said one thing to you, and it was probably about 20 minutes in. <laughs> I just said, Ray Palpatine. Yeah. I saw it coming, and... I was afraid that would be the case, and then it happened, and I still hate it. Yeah, I I think it did not need to happen. Um, it was an interesting kind of storyline, but it was, like, not necessary. Would anything be diminished if she wasn't a Palpatine? No. But there would be so much to gain, I think. So first of all, by saying that Palpatine's alive... That takes away from Darth Vader's sacrifice. Yeah. Remember? Because he sacrificed his own life, killing Palpatine and saving his son. That was the big turn. Yes. That meant so much. And then to find out, like, oh, actually, Palpatine was there the whole time. He was just watching and hanging out. That's, uh, I hate that a lot. It takes away from it. And also, I think it takes away from Rey, because... That was the essence of who she was we were talking about is she comes from nothing. She's Mm -hmm. all alone. And then to find out like, oh, actually, your grandpa was the most powerful creature in the universe's history. Yeah. No big deal. Just just so you know. Just FYI. Yeah. So now all of those great things that she can do in the past, we were thinking like she did those things because she had to and she learned those things. Yeah. Now we're just like, oh, yeah, well, she can just do whatever. And I guess she kind of can. So I was reading some fan theories today at work. Um, Ooh, fan theories. Lay it on me. <laughs> um, because before this movie, there was a lot of discussion on like who Rey actually is. And one of the things that I liked was that she is like Luke's illegitimate daughter. Okay. From like before he was Master Skywalker and, you know, he would have had some fun at some point. <laughs> and um, that makes... Uh, Kylo Ren and Rey like cousins. cousins and thus that is how they are like two halves of better. a whole. It's a better story. Like they... Certainly not worse. No, certainly not worse. The other one was that um, uh, Han Solo had an affair and that Rey was his illegitimate daughter and that they are technically half brother and sister halves of a whole. Sure. Why not? 
Better. Yeah, right? Like, these are all way better. And all of the ones that didn't have her being a Palpatine made so much more sense and Mm -hmm. was, like, actually a nicer resolution to this movie than what we ended up getting. Yeah, when did uh, the Emperor, like, take off that robe? (laughs) Like, when did that happen? He didn't seem like a guy that had a family, you know? No, yeah, because he's her grandfather. Yeah. Like, also, if the Palpatines don't die... Is her father still alive too? No, his I don't her parents were killed. She remembered that and that was real, I think. Right? Oh, right, right, right. I guess you could argue then that well, it's like an opposite expectation, just like how Kylo Ren was kind of flipped. Mm-hmm. The same is with her that she comes from pure evil and that's why it's more impressive that she turns good. Yeah. But even that's undermined because her own parents were trying to protect her from the emperor Mm -hmm. and so they were good yeah so then why is it even matter that her grandpa was palpatine it shouldn't have been there it doesn't no i really dislike that a lot so it gets back down to like yeah it's just genetics there's two families that are powerful yeah and it's dumb yeah real dumb i like the fact that they could be related the other thing that was dumb was their kiss all right yeah so let's jump into the end I thought it was coming, but I hoped it wasn't. And then when it happened, it felt weird. It felt like the Luke and Leia kiss when you know that they're siblings. Yeah. It kind of felt like that. Yeah. I liked their whole, like, partnership almost. Yes. It did not need to be romantic. No. I feel like they should have embraced in a hug that tells you, like, I know what you were going through because I am going through that too. We're the same. Having the same experience as someone, I don't see where in their history that grew into something romantic. There was never sexual tension. There was never any kind of interest in that way. And, like, there were opportunities that they could have put it in. I mean, Kylo Ren was shirtless in those really high-waisted pants for a little bit. Oh, yeah. That's funny. But there was no inkling ever that that was a thing. No. Even from his side, because you could think that, like, since he's kind of the more aggressive one, he would have portrayed that at some point. But no, he always said, like, give me your hand. And I never took that as something romantic. No. It's like a join the dark side. That's all he was saying. Yeah. So I think of the couples I wanted to get together, they're so low on the list. So first, Finn and Poe. Yeah. Second, Finn, Poe, and Ray, all three of them. Yeah. Having like a thruple. Yeah. Third would probably be Finn and Ray. Yeah. Then Rose and Finn. Who does Poe get? Finn. <laughs> I think maybe I just think Finn should be with everyone. He, is, he has the most romantic chemistry with every character. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's because he's still discovering um, kind of the world throughout his whole journey and that's like kind of nice to watch him build these relationships and everything and he's so genuine yeah let's talk about finn then okay so now we're at the end we can talk about his whole arc going through yes what do you think of him i love him me too he's like honestly one of my favorite characters i wonder if he's my favorite character in this trilogy he might be he's up there for sure yeah Um, But I really enjoyed watching him grow and kind of figure out the galaxy on his own without all the propaganda and the First Order kind of telling him what to think. He really kind of came into his own in the end. 
What did you think of Finn's journey throughout this entire trilogy? I think he has the biggest arc, and I'd argue the best arc as well, because he goes from being an automaton, essentially, having a realization of conscience, uh, then being kind of a fraud and a liar for a brief time, um, being what he thinks a hero is, to then eventually being an actual hero. In this movie, we see him being really self-sacrificing. Yes. Because he thinks he's going to die on that one part where he's taking down the uh, the tower with that gun. Yes. Um, and then eventually realizing that he's part of something bigger and he's been put here to to fight this power that he was once a part of. I think it's it's a great turn. Yeah. I uh, I enjoyed watching him grow. There's this through line through this whole movie that their greatest power is each other. And that's a really great message. I like that. It was less about like, yes, peace in the force. And it was more about use each other. And that's going to be your strength. At one point, Poe is in charge and he realizes he can't do it. And he asks Finn's help. And Finn is now a general in the resistance. And he's become the things that he hated at one point, the thing that he idolized at another point, and now mm. that is him. And it was, yeah, it was really great to see that. You know what? I think Finn is more of the Han character than Poe is. Because oh. Poe is, of course, like the external showings of Han. He's like cocky. He's the pilot. He acts a, like, a lot like Han. He does, yes. But Poe has that same growth of being a criminal in, in one sense, or at least a bad guy in one sense, and then coming all the way around to being a general in this army, finding his true calling. Yeah. He kind of has a, a solo-like turn. What do you think about Poe in this one? I felt like he might have gotten a little too cocky. I think he was a bit of a dick in this yeah. one, and not like... Not like a fun dick. Yeah, not a fun dick, a bad dick. <laughs> yeah, real annoying. He was just, he was too aggressive. Yes, aggressive is a good way to put it. We saw the beginnings of that with his mutiny with Laura Dern, but there were still a lot of redeeming things about him. Yeah. And I think he was separated from Finn too long, and that's why he wasn't as fun. He hadn't powered up on his best friend energy. I think one thing I didn't like about this one is there was a lot of audience manipulation. A lot of like, ha ha, gotchas. Yeah. Like in Chewie's death. Remember when Ray blows up the ship that yeah. Chewie's on? And that would have been a great character moment for her, for her because now she's seeing the downside to her powers. She more greatly fears going to the dark side because she sees the damage it can do. Mm -hmm. But no, it's cool. Chewie wasn't on that one. Gotcha. Also, where did the other like transport come from? Yeah, how do you not see it fly away? I don't know. It didn't make sense. Like, it would have made sense to have two transports sitting side by side. Yes. There you go. Problem solved. But no, it was... Yeah, that was bad. I didn't like that one. Also, C-3PO. He can read this dagger... And translate it, but he can't tell you what it says because he's not allowed. That doesn't seem like a thing that, no, that would exist. No, that seems like a roadblock that really didn't need to be there. Why would you say that he can understand it then? Yeah. Why would he be programmed with the ability to read it but not tell anyone else? So, yeah, like why not just be like, I was never programmed to read Sith because it's wrong. Yeah, there you go. But then they couldn't have this bit about his mind being erased. And then that was a sad bit because he says goodbye to his friends. Yeah. And, but no, don't worry about it. His memory was backed up, even though they specifically said it wasn't. So he's fine. No big deal. 
then at one point that whole planet and we think those new characters we met whose names i forgot but pose x something you know right. the, the lady with the helmet yes and then that little guy babu frink something like that babu yeah uh we think they both died because their planet blew up it's all right they somehow got off we don't know when but they're fine there's a lot of those lando's appearance kind of felt like a celebrity appearance on the simpsons when they're just like hey look it's me lando yeah remember me it did feel you'll like know a... me from such movies as return of the jedi and the empire strikes back it was very out of place because there was almost that like live audience applause feeling of it where it was like hey hey <laughs> she's doing finger guns now yeah. for you at home <laughs> thanks for uh narrating that I think the movie just felt too rushed. It felt like the final season of Game of Thrones, where everything's just like, and now this, and now this, and now this. And they're trying to wrap things up. But the first half of the movie, they gave us all these kind of like side quests that we didn't need. We didn't need the Wayfinders. She's off looking for this Wayfinder forever, finds it, and just gets smashed. Yeah, so she doesn't need it. Yeah. We find the dagger... I don't really need to see the big story about the dagger. The dagger could have been in the opening crawl. Yeah. They just say, like, we found a map. A mysterious dagger. Sure, whatever. If you can say that Palpatine is somehow alive in the opening crawl, you could say that we found a map in the opening crawl as well. Yes. And then they have to get it out of C-3PO's brain, which is another quest. All of those didn't need to be there. Because then at the end, when we have all of this real dramatic character stuff happening, it's so quick. Like Kylo Ren's death felt like Daenerys's death, where mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, he's dead. He's dead now. Moving on. Okay. And you're like, that's the biggest thing in all of these movies. Yes. We need more time with that. You need a moment to like really sink into it. And we don't get that. Or with Leia's death. I thought she died because she just called out to Ben and went, Ben. And then she dies because of that. And then that's what changes his mind yeah is that what happened he feels that his mom's died oh i didn't realize that she died and that's what changed him i thought it was that she called out to him and then he's just like oh yeah mom all right i'll be good um, but that killed her by saying ben they also probably just ran out of back footage of her yes yeah because that was all unaired footage from the last movie that she shot yeah and that's why i think her death would have been better suited in the last movie when yeah. it would have made more sense for everyone because this was such a weird way to die. Finish, just saying, Ben. Finish up. She should have died in the last movie. She could have had like a cameo. Like, you know how the Jedis come back and have like a little moment. Like but they Yoda. didn't shoot that. But they didn't shoot it. So she had to come back fully and die in a different way. So originally I was saying I didn't like Luke coming back in this one because it's just seemed like we well, we have to have Luke back and he has to be changed but I think it does actually work because we got to see him change throughout that last movie he started off thinking that yes the Jedi should be done this is the end of it and through his work with Rey he changed his mind yeah so it was good to see him back in a happier way just yeah just for a bit and I don't think this movie ever really fulfilled the promise of that great trio of Ray, Finn, and Poe. Yeah. It seemed like it could have just been so great because I think you definitely think that Han, Luke, and Leia, and Chewie, they're best friends. Yes. What are the names? Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They're best friends. Yeah. I don't think these three are. No? And I would have loved to have had them 
like work as a unit more often. But it's usually a lot more solo stuff, not Han Solo, just individual say, stuff. Like the movie Solo. <laughs> so we talked about most of the characters. Should we? What about Kylo Ren or Ben Solo? Ben Solo. Um, I don't know. It felt like an a redo of the last time he almost went to the light and then ended up killing his dad. It just, I don't know. It felt too similar. And I wish that they had done something a little bit different to get him there because it just felt like the same thing over again. Yeah, this movie felt like a regression for him. It did. It didn't feel like a continuation of the path he was on from the last movie. And although I disliked the last movie, I really liked what was done with his character. Yes. And people who don't like his character think that like he's some whiny fanboy, but that's like so appropriate, so appropriate for our time that the villain isn't this monster, or it turns out it is actually, like, it's Palpatine, <laughs> but uh, the villain isn't the Nazis, the villain is some confused boy who obsesses over the Nazis and tries to take out his rage on everyone else. And that's like such an issue with today, right? Yes. I think Kylo Ren, even if he's not my favorite character of this trilogy, I think he's the most interesting. And I think he is perhaps unintentionally representative of the Star Wars franchise as a whole. Yeah? How so? Follow me here. So he is the biggest Darth Vader fanboy. Absolutely. He has Darth Vader's old mask. He's obsessed with the past. He doesn't want to move forward into anything new. He wants to recreate what had already existed. Yes. Very much like this franchise. And he will angrily destroy everything else that comes before. But ultimately, he's unsure of what he wants. Ultimately, he doesn't know what he wants. He doesn't know if he wants to be the old thing. He doesn't know if he wants to create something new because he does have that bit where he says to Ray, like, well, let's rule the universe together. The right way. Yeah, which I wish they would have fleshed out in this movie. Like him trying to win Ray over and what his plan is. That's way more interesting than having Palpatine come back. Yes, 100%. Having Kylo trying to convince Ray to come away and rule the universe and having her struggle with that because maybe she's thinking like well i could do it but i would do it for good yes and how dangerous that kind of thought process would be that's an interesting choice that's how i felt about um ray agreeing to kill palpatine in order to take over the sith and it felt like she was gonna like maybe rule the universe for good That's another thing. Like, every bad guy in these movies can just be like, oh, if you kill me, then I win. No, you don't. You're dead. You're dead. (laughs) She could kill him and then also just continue to be herself. Yes. Why is it just automatic that you win if she kills you? Because then later, she does, and it's fine. Yeah. She doesn't become all the Sith. Yeah. So I really like the idea of him creating his own thing, and I think just like the last jedi i like that idea of that movie creating its own thing but ultimately in this movie he goes back to where he had been before he goes back to his cool mask and it doesn't make a lot of sense and i think that's indicative of star wars and his character yeah that held together that held together yeah that was good that was good little analogy analogy but he is such an interesting character that i wish the end was a little stronger for him but in the end, it's Ray's movie and not his. Very true. 
Um, what did you think of the final scene where she decides to be Ray Skywalker? I also knew that was going to happen about a half hour into it because it's like, oh, it's called Rise of the Skywalker. It's about her heritage. She's going to discover she's a Palpatine, but she's going to choose to identify as a Skywalker. You got all of that from the beginning of the movie? Yeah. At one point, Palpatine says, like, there's something you don't know about her. And I was like, oh, yeah, I get it now. (laughs) And with the title of the movie, right? You knew that there had to be a Skywalker. And since I assumed that Palpatine was, I thought her father, but grandfather, that we knew that she would just say she's a Skywalker now. Yeah. Although it would have been so great if Kylo turns, oh no, he's not a Skywalker. He's kind of a Skywalker. He's kind of a Skywalker. He's a maiden Skywalker. If he had turned and then he was like the, ended up being like the chosen one. Yes. I'd be interested in that. I didn't like this scene about being a Skywalker. Yeah. But also I don't have anything better. And I think it's kind of great in a way too. Even though I don't like it, it's great. It was absolutely fan service. Yeah. Going back to the original place where the first movie started, I think that it was kind of nice and a good way to pay tribute to Han and Leia. And, and Luke. Luke. Yeah. And she has a new like gold lightsaber. Yes. Fancy. Ooh. Ooh. I want to hear about that. Me too. Where'd she make it? Whatever happened to the whole chosen one thing that they were all about on the prequel trilogy? It's just kind of not a thing anymore. No. Yeah, that's probably for the best. They just, like, dropped it. I think when she's hearing all of those voices, she does hear Anakin say, restore the balance like I did. Did Anakin restore the balance? I thought he murdered a bunch of children. He did murder a bunch of children. I guess that was the balance that they needed to restore. Oh, don't murder children. Don't murder anyone. Don't murder anyone. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Oh, my God. Hot take. I might be old-fashioned, but... I think you shouldn't murder anyone. Whoa. You heard it here. Indy is against murder. Yep. Finally, I said something on this podcast that won't hurt my political career. (laughs) Over the entire three films that we've talked about today, what order do you rate them from like best to worst? One, three, two. So uh, meaning The Force Awakens, I think, is the best. Yeah. This last one, The Rise of Skywalker, is next. Yeah. And as much as I, when I think about it, I think The Last Jedi is so good. And then I watch it and I'm like, yeah, it's not. So I think I'd put that one last. How about you? I agree. Honestly, I think the middle one lagged and didn't really add anything to the trilogy. So I think, yeah. It also wasn't allowed to add anything no. because the things it tried to add, they just Took out. retroactively changed in yeah. this one. So I agree, one, three, two. This one would be hard for me to rate because I think I had Return of the Jedi as an eight. Right. And Revenge of the Sith as a six or maybe even a seven. And all of these movies are between there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so... They're good. Like this last movie, I think I'll have to to reevaluate in a while, watch it again. But it's a good movie. It feels like a fitting end. I don't really feel cheated, but I feel like there's so many things they could have could have changed to make more impactful. Absolutely. I agree. I think that could have taken it farther, could have changed some things and made everything more well-rounded. Yeah, just make everything better, guys. Just, just. Hey, filmmakers, just make it all better. Make it better. Jeez. Come on, Abrams. I'm glad, though, that he always 
sets up like all these mysteries and he pays off like half of them and i i think it's good that ryan johnson came in the middle so we didn't have these big giant building mysteries like abrams always loves to do uh ryan johnson is getting his own trilogy he's gonna direct three star wars movies written and directed Oh. I don't know when they're due to come out or what they're about they're or which characters. Though. I have no idea. Oh, Probably not, but I have no idea. Interesting. See, like, I've been talking about how we saw this movie this weekend with people and, like, everyone's like, so this is, like, it, right? Like, this is the end. And I'm like, well, there's always going to be more Star Wars movies. Yeah. It's not like it's not like you can just ever not make a Star Wars movie because they're so profitable. Yeah, there'll be more solo ones more standalone ones that is <laughs> probably less solo ones because that one was bad and then there's that one trilogy on the way there were a bunch of other directors some interesting people like the game of thrones showrunners who had signed oh, yeah. on to do a trilogy that's all gone now though really yeah it got scrapped already weird well i think that brings us to the end of our big star wars extravaganza looking Da-da-da. back on it I wish we had done every movie individually because I could talk about each one for so long. Yeah. And I feel like we didn't get to talk about a whole lot because we're trying to go kind of quick. But Indy, we don't have a Star Wars podcast, so we have to... Not yet. Not yet. But this is a great time to tell you about our new Star Wars podcast. He's joking. <laughs> it's called The Moss Eisley Minute, but it's an hour long. One day. We won't, actually. No, it's a lot of work. How do you end up on Star Wars. I'm going to say thumbs up. I am thumbs up. You heard it here. Two thumbs up for Star Wars. <laughs> Check it out. There's a bunch of them. Wait, could you rank all the Star Wars movies? No, God, no. Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, The Last Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, Phantom Menace. Wow. Although maybe... Revenge of the Sith is better than The Last Jedi, but I think it just seemed really good because it was coming off of two garbage movies. Garbage movies, yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely agree with you in, um, I'd say, original trilogy, new trilogy, one, two, three. <laughs> oh, unquestionably. Yeah. yeah. Well, you tell us out there, viewing listening audience, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Yeah. Just one. Or you know what? Rank them all if you got it. <laughs> Rank them all. I'd like to hear that. Um, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at ILTYS and the number two. You can email us your long form answers to I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook where you can engage in discussions with other podcast fans at I love this, you should too dash podcast. And we will see you next week when we resume our regularly scheduled podcasting. Until then, may the Force be with you. And also with you. commercial (laughs) oh yeah this episode was brought to you by blankets they're like a sweater for your whole body oh yeah that's pretty good